Welcome to another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. I am here with John Kuhneman. He is, are you still amateur or you turned pro yet? I'm an amateur still. All right, he yeah. is an amateur MMA uh, fighter out of Omaha, Nebraska here, and also one of the strongest human beings I've ever met, and most importantly, a fellow type 1 diabetic. And so we're going to get to all of that stuff here today, and uh, yeah, we'll get to kind of how we got to be friends and everything. So John, how are you today? I'm pretty good, man. Yourself? I'm doing good. So let's good. let's start with your last fight, because you just fought like a week ago. Yeah, a week ago today. And you choked some dude out in like yeah. a minute, which was pretty yeah. awesome. Um, how, I guess... How did that fight go? How was your prep for that? And is it, I always kind of wondered this, is it ever kind of like anticlimactic when, so I'm sure it's super duper exciting, yeah, but like yeah, you're training yeah, all this stuff, right? And minute, then you yeah. go one minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was super, it was weird. So like I actually, so I fought the February 15th last Saturday, so a week ago. Yep. Um, and then two weeks prior to that, uh, to the fight, I broke my nose. Oh, Completely geez. broke my nose. Like, oh, I, uh, one of the guys who I train with, he actually fights tonight. Um, he shot him for a takedown. I sprawled and we came back up and he bonked my, hit the, his forehead hit my nose. Oh. And so my nose is turned and I go over to my coach, Ryan Jensen. And I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, I think I broke my nose. And he's like, yeah, it's broke. <laughs> and, so, and he snaps it. Oh. And it, and it makes a loud, like, yeah. like pop. Like, and, and he's like, whoa, 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 that's the first time I've ever like, actually gotten somebody's <laughs> nose to like pop like that. And so it's a big, like, a hype thing for him too because he's like all excited but yeah. then I realized like I fight in like 15 days yeah and so like I didn't spar the last two weeks at all I didn't really even grapple that for the next week I really didn't do anything besides cardio sure the last two weeks and when you're going into a fight and you're thinking man I have a broken nose it's it's kind of changes the dynamic of I was like, it kind of messes with your head a yeah, little, a little bit, right? for sure, and, and your whole game plan because yeah. I, I was going into this. I'm working with Coach Jose on my boxing, and shout out to Coach Jose, he's, you know, and all my coaches, and and uh, and I've been working with him a lot, really trying to like you know fine tune my boxing. I've been over at uh, so I train over at Premier Combat Center, but yeah. he's got his own uh, gym too, like boxing gym, his own boxing yeah. gym, and, and I've been there and uh, working with him a lot. So I was really excited to showcase my striking and be able to do all that and then I break my nose and so my teammate uh, Micah Petrowski he fought on he was the main event actually for this yeah. card and uh, he's like man expect to break your nose on the first punch or re-break it on the first yeah. punch and so I'm like probably a smart thing to do is shoot it in <laughs> takedown and uh, right as it goes he, uh, he threw a little jab it, it wasn't hard but it just tipped right on the tip of my nose yeah. and I felt I didn't re-break it but I felt the cartilage like move weird kind of shift around a yeah, little bit yeah so I'm like alright I'm shooting in boom and yeah. I shot in right away and, and then I got the back and got the choke but like it's it's anticlimactic in the sense that like all your pent up energy yeah. is like Cause you probably still have a ton of adrenaline. Yeah, adrenaline after, that. after like I was so I didn't go to sleep till four a.m. I was like, you're just gonna be hyped for yeah, like, like hours, hours after. after like, Cause you got the pre-fight hype and then you got yeah. the choke to do it out hype. So yeah. you're just like oh, running. And, right? Yeah, I was like super excited well, and I was happy. I got you know the first round finish and like I jumped on the cage. I was all excited and then I realized like I didn't expend any energy and I went and had. <laughs> To make it worse, I spent $30 on Taco Bell after the fight. Because I didn't even talk about the whole thing. This is the lowest I've ever cut for a fight. Yeah. I'm actually working my way to fight at 170 eventually. Okay. Um, and I this fight was at uh, middleweight. And so I was like just talking about, I want Taco Bell, I want Taco Bell. And I spent 30 bucks. So all that food just hyped me up, all the carbs and everything. And I was up till 4 a.m., man. And, and uh, But it is anticlimactic in the sense that, like, 
it's only a one minute yeah, fight. It's but like at a the same lot time, of preparation for one minute. It feels so good though. For when, sure. When you get a win in the first round, it's just it's the best feeling because you know your hard work's been paying off and like for sure all the training you've been putting into to that for that much success that definitely feels good for sure well and that's kind of crazy because i went to your fight before this or two before this maybe two before was it the gabe the mullet the one that you yeah, got robbed on yeah the uh the which was decision. bullshit oh it's terrible the, and that's the one i like to remind people okay so you're fighting an amateur mma the yeah. judges are amateurs too yeah and so like not that they don't know what they're doing but in a fight that might be harder to like if you're not if you don't have a real experienced eye yeah, you might not right. realize well, what's they, happening they, so basically how it works is they judge pro fights too yeah. uh, the, our, the judges because there's pro fights on that card um, I think one or two two pro fights yeah I think the last couple the last one or two yeah um, so they, they judge pro fights but the thing is in Nebraska it's very wrestling based mm-hmm. and Super wrestling based, like so. If you're like you know, a dominant striker, a dominant, really it's a little bit harder because like, so like the first round, I thought I I I thought I won the fight. You know, I thought I ten aided him in the first round. I knocked him down in thirty seconds left in the round and grounded patted on him. And then I thought they were gonna stop it. Honestly, I thought you they were, were too. Hammering I was, dude. and I was like, I, and I was like, like, I saw that dude's face coming out of the first round, and I was like, why didn't they stop that fight? Yeah. Well, the funny thing was is is um. I go back and I'm like, oh, it's a wrap. Yeah. After I go back in my corner after the first round, I'm like, oh, it's a wrap. He's gonna come out wobbly. He came out composed though. After after that minute, he got his legs back really. He got his legs back. Yeah. And then I came out and I and I just started flurring him in the second round. And then I my problem was that fight. If looking back, that fight, yeah, did I get robbed on a decision? In my opinion, sure. But that fight grew me a lot because. You can't fight at the pace I fought for the first two rounds. I was exhausted in the sure. third round, and that's yeah. why he just held me against the cage and 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 held on to me. And, and you know, he he went into that fight more experienced than me, knowing. Sure. Look, and and I actually went down and trained with them them after my most my second fight, two or the fight after I fought in December, and then I went down and trained at his gym, and I talked with his coaches, and they're like, our game plan was just survive, weather the storm, and then kind of work your way and kind of see how his cardio is going to be, and and at. First, after that fight, I was like, man, my cardio is terrible. I'm, I was kind of pissed about that. And then I was like, you know what? My, my team talked to me about it. And they're like, it's not that your cardio is terrible. You can't go swing balls to the wall and, and try to have, you know, smell blood for yeah. the first two rounds the entire time. Nobody can fight like that. Because those are their five-minute rounds, right? They're, and amateur, it's three. Okay, and three then amateur rounds. title fights, it's four. And then okay. at pro, it's, it's five-minute five. rounds. Okay. Yeah. But so you're going – and you see this in boxing, too, where it's three-minute rounds – you just can't sustain that level of activity you for can't. that long. And that's the thing when I did wrong is I as soon as I, I clipped him, I felt like... As soon as you smell blood. smell blood. I just went, yes. went, went, went. Instead of picking my shots, being smart about the shots I was throwing. And and so looking back at that, Gabe played that very smart. And yeah. he, he knew that if he could weather the storm, he could grind out and, and get points in the judge's eyes. And, and, and you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get a dub. If, for sure. You know what I mean, like if... You know, you know you're not gonna. If you know you can't like, stand up and strike with a guy or, or whatever it yeah. is, yeah. So like he he played that smart, and they knew exactly what they had to do to win. They knew it was my second fight, yeah. And they knew that I'm gonna be I'm coming off a knockout on a on a game opponent. I, I knocked out my first opponent in probably a minute and a half or so, yeah. and, and so they're knowing like my head's all big, my ego's all big that I'm gonna come in. They think I'm gonna start. Like, I'm gonna start him, and they knew that, and so they knew that I was gonna come in throwing heavy hands sure. and trying to knock him out. And they played that smart because they know if if you can survive and weather that storm, eventually I'm going to get tired. run out of gas. And so that's what yeah. the next fight I took in December, um, 
was against Martin Sellers. I knew that. And so I, that's where I really started to pace myself and really, and that was a, I won a three round decision mm-hmm. in that fight. And, uh, and the funny thing was I couldn't kick in this fight or the one before because I, I broke my foot in the dis- before the December fight. Oh, geez. And then I had my broken nose. So I wasn't <laughs> able to strike in like really in any of my last two fights. So the one in December, I really just kind of paced myself, yeah. worked on picking my shots and my transition smart. And then now I kind of realize, you know, once you do that, the fight slows down and it's a lot easier to kind of figure out what you're doing. And then the shots open up and then you don't have to, right. And then you don't have to throw hands and try to force a knockout when it it kind of opens up more on its own. For sure. So that's what, in hindsight, yeah, it sucked to lose a split decision, especially too. It sucks, but you know what? Looking back at it, that grew me in the sport, and my it made my experience level go way up from where it would have been. Especially if I would have finished him in the first round in that fight, and I probably wouldn't have gained a whole lot out of it. Sure, you know what I mean. So looking yeah. at it as an amateur, plus as an amateur, your uh, record doesn't matter. You know what I mean. Sure. I would rather go and fight. 10 or 15 really game opponents and have a worse record than a fight 10 or 15 bums and have a 15 no and then by the time I go pro and start fighting not be ready ready. so as an amateur no one or once you turn pro no one looks at your amateur record yeah no one's gonna sit and be like oh he went he lost to this guy once you're pro you're 0-0 yeah and that's when it really starts you know that's when it really starts to matter on, on your fights you pick and things like that so yeah because if you were just like knocked out if you if they had called the fight in the first round which I legitimately thought was a possibility like I I watch a pretty good amount of boxing and MMA for sure and I don't think it would have been out of line if they had called it in the first I really don't yeah um, but if that had happened then you know do you have the wherewithal to be like okay I need to work on my pacing a little bit. I need to work on controlling my energy. I need to... Well, that was the most impressive thing to me because I saw the highlights from your last fight where, I mean, I kind of know just from watching you, like, you like striking. That's kind of... It seemed like your bread and butter, right? I love it. You know, because you do have heavy hands and... Honestly, I mean, striking just more fun, right? (laughs) I love it. I used to hate jujitsu, man. And that's the thing is, like... This fight, I learned the not this fight, the uh, fight in December. I learned so much from my previous one with Gabe because I was less tired going into the third round of that fight sure. than going into the second round of the Gabe fight. Sure, yeah. So, and that right there is like you know, and and Gabe man is and he's a good guy. I've talked with him after the fight. He's actually uh, he's doing stand up comedy. Too. Nice. So you know, I don't know. I think it's called Counterpunch Comedy. That's I funny. That's what the name of it. His thing was. I saw it on Facebook. So. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's fighting anymore. He said he, he was looking at being done and really um, and transitioning just jujitsu and then doing uh, comedy. But you know, he's he's an awesome guy, and you know, I don't want to take anything away from sure. this. You know, he, look, you got he had a great don't leave, plan. It, don't leave it to the to the judges. Yeah. you know, and that's what I learned. And and uh, he did what he had to do to win in the judges' eyes. And uh, you know, I, I respect him going in there especially eating some of the punches that I threw at him dude he did. I gotta, I gotta chin, give man. his chin credit the iron chin man that was you were yeah. hammering him I, I was I was even shocked at some of the punches I threw at him and I was like goodness man his chin like yeah. I, I remember thinking that in the I think it was in the second round yeah and, and uh, I'm like I just thought to myself I was like I'm not gonna knock him out yeah and then there's some guys that's just like it's not gonna happen and that's when I kind of realized Oh, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm starting to feel it. Oh, I'm not gonna knock this guy out. He's he's like, let's go. He's not gonna go down. He's not gonna, you know, not get finished. So I was just like, 
Well, now I'm tired. And that's when he. That's when he that's, took control. That's and when he got in a little trouble. Yeah, and so split decision, and, and that's the thing. It's so split decisions. You got three judges. Two of them said favored him, him and one, one said me. Yeah. So you know what? Don't leave it in the judge's eyes. And if you do, be be have it be a decisive win. And, sure. and you know, two judges gave it to him. So that's what you know. He got the W. So. so that was your second fight. That was right? my second. So, fight. how did you get into this whole MMA world? Because, and I'll get into how we met in a little bit. But when I met you, and for the last few years, you were really into powerlifting for sure, and yeah. were super strong. And we'll get into that. But how did you get into MMA? Like, what? Why did you start? And like, what appealed to you about it? I would say. The cap of powerlifting is what I call it. So I, I don't know if you know Pete Rubish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive deadlifter. I mean, I think he hit like 920. Just super strong dude. Yeah, so I did. He was my coach for a long time. And uh, he, uh, he's he been really open about like, you know, powerlifters, bodybuilders using uh, steroids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, to, and for me, I'm a person who wants to, I want to get to the top. I want to be the top. I want to be the best. Sure. And he said in one of his videos, he goes, the problem sometimes with powerlifting, he goes, if you want to be the best, it kind of comes down to who takes the most steroids. Yeah, who longest. does the most who can, gear, who can, be who can endure that. And that's the thing I looked at and I'm like, you know what I mean? I don't want to take that and cut my life short if, if that's a possibility. Sure. I, I don't want to put myself through those risks and, and do that and then... Because you know, there are side effects and drawbacks, even if you're super smart about it, even if saying. you know what you're doing. And that's where I'm just like, you know what? I, uh, I've i always had this thing of like, even since I was a kid, I've, I've always wanted to be like, knowing this guy can't beat me up. I would size yeah. people up. And that's actually kind of why I started lifting. It's because like, I wanted to be the big top dog. Sure. And actually- I think I that mentality into, is a lot of people get into lifting. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. want to be the top dog. And what they don't realize is- in reality, those big powerlifters are probably easier to fight than some of these regular average dudes. guys yeah. because their cardio goes to shit and they just, yeah, yeah. and they're done in, the, in 20 seconds of... And, and a lot of them can't they, move. They can't move. Yeah. And so, like, I went to Premier think, with that same mindset, like, oh, I'm going to be able to beat all these guys up. Yeah. And Ryan Jensen showed me the first day... Who was a pro UFC fighter. Yeah. yeah. He fought in the UFC, yeah. like, t- 10 fights in the UFC, he's an animal, and... Uh, he showed me real quick. I learned real quick. I learned real quick. Yeah, I learned that was not as compared, compared to him and, and those guys. What were you, what were you weighing time. at that point? Like 250? No, I was 250. Holy cow. Yeah, I got up to 250. That's what I, was, I weigh. Yeah, I was, I was beefed up, man. I was like, you're big. All meathead. My face was like the size of a pumpkin. And, 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 I, and I went in there thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to beat all these guys up. And they we joke about it now. And 30 seconds of sparring my first time I sparred, I, I learned real fast. Yeah. Like... Okay. <laughs> this is a different guys, deal. If they wanted to kill me, these guys could kill me. So I was like, you know what? And it, and it look, it, I was discouraged the first time sure. I went in there and, and, and trained with Jensen and these this guy and like this skinny and Jensen's not I mean skinny but, but skinnier he, than he's, me. He doesn't lift he's smaller, like a, but he's pretty shredded. Like 185. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm looking at that like this guy's could kill me and I'm like I don't like that. I don't like that. So I stuck with it. I stuck with it and went through the beginner program, got invited up to the team, started training. And then, um, to get my, to my first fight, you know, I, so we, the way we have it, we have the foundations program, Mm -hmm. which is for anyone who's, you know, got like six months of training or less year of training or less, you know, it doesn't have any real experience. It's kind of a base interest. Basic. Yeah. And then then they have what's called cap and then caps like your intermediate to advanced level where you graduate from the foundations. And then they kind of invite you to the team and say, Hey, uh, you know, we want to start training with our, our pros and amateur fighters. Yeah. And, um, 
That's where you like actually get that's into where having fun. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I started training with them and, and my teammate Derek Minner and shout out to him man. he just got signed oh, to UFC. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on your next, Facebook. Next Saturday. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and I'm so proud of him, man. It's just been a long road for him, ten years, you know, getting to this point. Dude, so that's shout crazy, out shout man. out Derek. Um, but he's like, Hey, you wanna fight this this guy and he's pretty green, like he's not very good, he doesn't even train in a gym for your first fight and I'm like Sure. It's in like two weeks. So I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, whatever. Yeah. A little short notice, but you know, he's like, this guy doesn't train. It'll be fine. And I, I'm supposed to find, I think his name is Justin Lacefield. Right. Yeah. And I get there and, uh, they, I think it was like two days actually before, um, they're like, you know what? We'll have you fight this other O and O guy named Glendale Whitney. And okay. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Oh no, it's fine. Um, and I get there, and there's this big monster. <laughs> he looks like Francis Ngannou. Like, if you know Francis Ngannou, yeah. this big, beefed-up dude. And I'm looking at him like, I remember thinking to myself, like, I feel bad for us to fight that guy. I, I said that to my buddy, Eric. I was like, I feel bad for us to fight him. And then they give the roll call for the fighters meeting. And um, they're like, Glendale Whitney, here. And I'm just like, oh, that's who I'm fighting. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let's go. I don't know what I'm getting into. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is my first fight. It's kind of like know. an ignorance is bliss situation. Right. There, and, yeah. and I'm trained up by this point. I've, you yeah. know, I've, I've been with Premier at this point for almost two years. So I've, I've been there for enough. You know, I, I, I felt confident to do what I had to do. And, and so this big dude who's just massive, he's a division one <laughs> wrestler. I come to find out after the fight, yeah. according to his, one of his te- or coach coaches. And, and, uh, I go out there and, and then, I'm like, okay, I'm fighting this big monstrous guy, and he yeah. just fought on the same card as me, and he uh, he beat his opponent in like 30 seconds, Jeez. knocked him out, and so our fight, we go out there, um, and then we just started throwing hands right out the gate, um, and then he came in, and I clipped him with an overhand right, knocked him out in probably a minute and a half, and that was it. Nice. And uh, we fought at 2:05, and then I also learned quick that. I need to not fight at 205 because I'm, <laughs> I'm only 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, like, those guys are like 6'2". Six six yeah. So 170 is my down the road. Probably I'll do 185 next. Um, probably catch weight at 175, 180, and then 170 because I'm just – I don't lift like I used to. I don't have the sure the energy to sometimes after – you know, I train 30 hours a week at Premier. So yeah. it's like to find the energy to lift afterward, I just don't have it to, to maintain that's a lot that 200 of, plus pounds. That's a lot. Load. Yeah, yeah, so that's how that worked out, and then plus I, with the amount know, of cardio you're doing to be in fight shape, oh yeah, for it's sure, it's hard to it's maintain that much hard. muscle I run mass. So much and jujitsu, even like grappling, you're oh, it's just, exhausting. It's exhausting. Spear when if you haven't sparred before and you haven't like trained, people are they think they're gonna go in there and be fine. The cardio is what gets yeah. Them. You're gassed after like a minute. Though. Oh yeah, tops <laughs> like tops. <laughs> like best case scenario. Best case scenario. It's well, like, people like if you see people. Um, if you ever see people like get on a heavy bag for the first time, oh, even yeah. that, like mm-hmm. yeah. they, you cannot throw punches for a minute if you're not used to it. Yeah. Like just standing there throwing punches at a bag, yeah. you're dead after a Even minute. their breathing, they don't know how to breathe right. Yeah. On their punches, they don't know how to move, they're tense, they're tight. Yeah. And then you throw them in a live situation. And when you have someone who's, especially against someone experienced, like walking you down and then they have the anxiety and the adrenaline of, oh, there's a live person in front of yeah. me now. They're super tense. They're holding their breath. They're exhausted in like yes. 30 seconds, like completely exhausted. And so, um, after, you know, you start to build up and learn and get trained up. So I had my first fight and then I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I saw a legit pathway to 
actually make it a career. You sure. know, I you know I look at Derek, I look at Jensen, guys who've made it a career. Um, coming out of Omaha. Coming out yeah. of Omaha, and you know even guys like Jake Ellenberger, Anthony Smith, Drew Dober, all from Omaha. We're in the UFC right now. Go all the way back to Houston. Houston, Alexander. yeah, oh yeah, and so like guys who've made it a career, and then when they're done, man, they can coach. You know, open a gym. Yeah. You know, some people coach specific arts like you know boxing or MMA, sure. jiu-jitsu, whatever it is. So there's a lot of opportunity, and I'm like, you know what? I found my happy place. Sure. And and I found something that I can make you know my hobby into a career. Sure. And, and, I, and that's the thing is I would always dread growing up like I don't want to sit behind a desk and yeah. do something I hate and hate my life every day going to work. I want to enjoy going to work. I want to do what I want to and do you know in my yeah. own life that I get to have. I want to enjoy it. I want to spend my time with my passion. Sure. And so I, I that's how I got into it and I'm just training it up and then I got my second fight with Gabe and that was in September the one with Glendale was in April of last year and then September that was the one we just talked about and then uh, December I beat uh, Martin Sellers in a decision and then last week February 15th was my fourth fight and then I won that with a rear naked choke so so how often are so you fought that last one at 185 you said yeah so well, gonna, it was catch weight at 190. Okay. So you're trying to get down to 170. 170. And what is that, like super middle? What is that's that? That's uh, welterweight. Welterweight? Welterweight, Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you're trying to get down to 170. You want to go pro at, at 170 probably? Yeah. Is, well, is 170. I mean, 170 and 185. Yeah, in somewhere that, in there. I'm, I wouldn't, like, not take fights at 185, probably in that range. Whatever I find, too, once I cut to 170, if it sucks. Just kind of see how... See how it goes. Yeah, especially as an amateur, you get a three-pound allowance, too. Sure. So I wouldn't have that to helps. make 170. I got to go to 173. 173. So it might. So I'm gonna, I am gonna. want to do one amateur fight maybe at 172 or so 170. What do you walk around at? Like, what's your walk-around weight right 200, now? 200, 205 max. Yeah. At 205, I eat Taco Bell, $30 Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, like, two, 200. So you cut down, you cut, you cut down to 190 for this last one yeah and then what did you walk into the ring at you, did you did you bulk back up a little bit about 10 15 pounds like yeah. 203 204 sure so, yeah um so and you brought up a, a really interesting thing and i want to bring in the the diabetes here at this point yeah um because i found a very similar thing you're talking about like your happy place and your passion that's how i feel about like doing radio and podcasts like i just yeah, love that stuff love it. yeah you for know sure. we both love working out and that type of thing um, but your MMA is, that's my, that's my broadcasting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. love that stuff. And so, but it's hard with being a type one diabetic because our supplies and insulin and oh, everything yeah. costs a ton of money. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And so most of my decisions in my adult life have been like, okay, I'm just going to get a job so I can have insurance so I can make sure I can afford all this shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. And how much of that does that factor into your mind? Because, I mean, for me at least, that was something that kind of loomed over my head all the time. Oh, yeah. Just making decisions on, like, okay, what am I going to do for a living? Like, yeah. what is all? And, and so I wonder, like, when you're kind of going through this non traditional career path, how do you manage that? I mean, you're young enough, you're only 20, so 20, I assume yeah. you're on your parents still. Insurance? Insurance. I'm selling their insurance. I got my own spot, I, uh, my own apartment. And um, so it's kind of trying to, you know, transition to, sure. uh, to be supporting on myself financially 100%, especially with something like diabetes isn't easy. And, and uh, I'm actually, expensive um, as hell. I'm, well, I'm planning on moving to Thailand for a whole year to really? train. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go train at Tiger Muay Thai. I leave uh, January of next year. Nice. And uh, I'll be there for one whole year. So trying to plan out 
diabetes out there yeah is is tough so like well and who it might be i mean some of these other countries it's way cheaper cheaper yeah for I sure i mean like if you went to mexico for a year you could live on like ten dollars a day and get your insulin and whatever you need yeah oh yeah for sure and that's the thing so like so you might actually be in better shape in well, I've, heard, I've heard that thailand super like their uh, pharmaceutical like i don't know industry yeah. industries a lot more lax and, and and a lot easier for americans a lot of americans go and retire in thailand oh nice and, yeah uh, especially in like phuket and that's where i, I had a buddy in. that went there after law school for his like his like tri- his uh like gift to himself and he yeah. loved it he thought it was awesome yeah there. i'm excited man and and so trying to plan diabetes and something like that is just a whole nother like stressor of like sure and like Okay, how am I going to do this? Like, Did I do that when I like have to take a weekend trip somewhere? It's yeah, just like, all right, I got to pack all this stuff. Even flying, and, like you got to pack your diabetes bag, all your needles, and then you got to hope go the through, security like, doesn't think yes. you're like bringing drugs through. Yeah, and uh, it's not easy, especially you know with powerlifting training and diabetes is a whole nother yeah. obstacle that we got to. That it's a it, I call it the opponent that will will always face the yeah. opponent that nobody else has to face. And especially in, in our, you know, career paths of, or even hobbies like lifting and, and MMA and sports, there's not a high population of no. type 1 diabetes, especially type 1 diabetics. Yeah. Doing, you know, what we're doing and, and putting all the time into the gym. It's not easy, man. And uh, it's, a, it's a super tough obstacle to have to try to break past not even physically but mentally too yeah you know sometimes there's like an anxiety to it yeah, right sure because you're like, i'm sure you're going into a fight and you're like okay not only do i have to make sure i'm physically prepared yeah going into the fight but then like day of okay i gotta make sure my blood sugar is okay good. gotta make sure yeah. i'm not too high because then i'm gonna be all all cramped up and yeah, all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff gotta make sure i'm too not too low because i'm just gonna get knocked the f out yeah like i mean it's kind of a, yeah people don't even think about it what's crazy you the commission doesn't allow anything but water in the in the corner. Really, so I have to make sure. I'm, I usually so take like if you had a low blood sugar during a fight, like no dice, no dice. There's no juice, no Gatorade, no, no Gatorade, nothing. nothing. You have water. That's water crazy. Over. So I gotta make sure my sugars. Usually, I try to get it over two hundred. I'll say yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that before like big work as well. Like I'll spike it up spike on purpose. Spike it up on purpose, yeah. yeah. And the and the problem is, is I against the Martin fight in December, I spiked it too high and I was like three eighty oh, during yeah. the fight. So I was like So you're sluggish, you feel like shit. Yeah. yeah. And and the good thing is is you know, I prepared so much and my my I was in such good shape that I, I knew it wouldn't be a huge factor, but it's still, and I don't want to take insulin right before and then go low. Yeah, crash. So I just was yeah. like, you know what? We're just going to go out. Just grind it out, yeah. Yeah, and so I went out there, you know, blood sugar is almost 400, but we went out and fought. And, uh, but that's another obstacle that nobody knows about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you've been th- over three, four, or 500 before. You oh, know exactly yeah. how it feels. It's yeah. terrible. You Awful. feel terrible. It's, I mean, like, you literally want to lay in bed and, and just sleep. Yeah. You just feel terrible. You just want to sleep terrible. it off. Yeah. yeah. And so going out there, especially with something as, as high adrenaline as a fight, yeah, it's it's scary, man. And so it's like that's the obstacle that the opponent will always have to face that no one else really knows what what we got to do. How how old were you when you were diagnosed? I think I turned eleven a week after I got diagnosed. I got see, I got diagnosed on my seventh birthday, like on the day. On the day. Um, so that's kind of funny that you were so close yeah. I was to like, your... I, like a couple days. It might have been a little close. It might have been at within like within a week. week. Yeah, within a week before I turned eleven. Um, so and that's I guess kind of the nice thing about having it for so long is you go into a situation where you're trying to get something done and your blood sugar is three eighty. Yeah. Which, 
for people that don't know, that's super high. Oh, yeah. Like, in for, for like, you and me, it's like, ah, I've been worse. It's I've been worse. <laughs> oh, if it doesn't say HI on the meter, I don't, I don't care. If I'm I can still see a number, I'm good to go. if I can see a number, I'm good to go. Um, but yeah, and so that that's kind of the advantage of at least having some years under your belt of, of being sure. yeah. diabetic because like I'm sure you've had to like take a test when your blood sugar was 400 or oh, yeah. and your brain is just everywhere but where it's supposed uh-huh. to be and yeah. you have to find a way to just be like, okay, I got to focus, Island, like yeah. I got to do this and your body's like cramping up and you feel yeah. all dried out and shitty. I had the opposite happen. I had one time a teacher, I had this terrible teacher she was one of my english teachers in high school and uh my blood sugar was low and like low low and we were taking a test and she didn't let didn't let me leave because she thought i was gonna go out and cheat you know get answers or something on my phone and i was like look my blood sugar is low and the thing was i left my meter in the nurse's office on accident yeah and uh so i was like look i i literally need to go and so i ended up was like arguing with her in front of the class and i was like i'm going i'm going to go check my blood sugar my blood sugar is low i'm not going to die in your classroom yeah so i i was mad i was genuinely mad so i went walked out of her her class and went and that's the thing like people like to do that and have to have a teacher that's like no you can't leave because of that i'm like what do you, what's your problem? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, it's just a and thing to think about. People don't get it. They don't. People think of yeah. diabetes and they think of their grandpa or their fat yeah. uncle or something that yeah. has type 2. It's like, listen, type 2 is serious in its own way, but it's a completely different, different disease. Different ballgame. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah. A, like, I don't even know why they have the same name. It's a different disease. Oh, yeah. It, 100%. You know? And so... This lady probably was like, oh, my cat has diabetes. It's fine. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's really not fine. Like, yeah. if I don't leave her, I will die in yeah, your classroom. right. So you need to relax. I remember I was like low. I don't remember the number, but I was like low, low. I yeah. think it was like low 50s, upper 40s. So yeah. it was like down there. So what's the what's the lowest you've ever been? Do you know? I think I was thirty two. Yeah. Have you ever passed out? I've never passed out. I've never oh, had to use good. glucagon either. That's the good. two scariest times was one when I was newly diabetic. And we were still figuring out my insulin yeah. amounts. Which that's uh, scary that's as hell. That's scary, too. yeah, especially as a kid. I because you you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, my, you don't. You have yeah. no idea. You don't know what it feels like. Yeah. Now I know. Like I'm, I'm, if I was sixty right now, I wouldn't even be tripping out really yeah. too bad. You know, because you feel it. You know how to treat it. And so I, my mom's making breakfast. She's like, "What do you want to drink?" And I'm like, "Food." <laughs> I said food. I was so incoherent out yeah. of it. I said food. Yeah. And we ended up checking. It was like thirty two. And then the scariest low I've ever had. We were. My parents, we went on a little trip to, I think it was in Dallas, mm-hmm. and we just got off the plane and got to the hotel. I had McDonald's, and I had a lot of McDonald's. Um, I go low, and I threw up the McDonald's, oh. and so all of those carbs are gone. Yeah. So I went, like, super low. Dang. I was, like, 30. I, I don't think I've ever been below 30. I think I might have been 30 flat or 30, 30 to 32. Yeah. And... We probably drank like twenty five juice boxes. I mean, we were drinking juice for like three hours, like, and then of course you end up at four hundred after. Yeah, yeah, and shoot way back. But it's crazy because like there's, I've had lows where I it just would not come up. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. so you're just stuck there. And they're always at night. It seems like too, like the worst times, like when you want to sleep. Yeah, I've been up for like three hours just eating everything I can find in the house. And it's not like I just have to wait for it to come up because it's like it's been three hours. Like the stuff is. Mostly digested, digested by now, yeah. you know. Like I'm gonna poop it out here. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. 
right. I'm still waiting <laughs> yeah. for more food to come in. Um, the lowest I ever was, I've been 23 twice. Oh, man. And the first, one of them I felt mostly fine, which is scarier. Yeah. Because you're like, if I'm actually 23 and I feel okay, like, that's a problem. That's scary. Um, yeah. But the one time, so have you ever gone low after taking, a, like, a shower? Because the hot water, like, makes the insulin move I have. Faster. I remember you told me about that one it's time. It's crazy. I've never, I've never had that. Before. So I was... I think I was in like middle school, so I was pretty young still. Yeah. And I was high when I woke up. I took my insulin and I took a shower before I was going to go eat breakfast. Yeah. Well, apparently I was already on the way down, and then the insulin hit, oh, and then no. I was taking a hot and shower. Shit, like made it work faster. Ma- yeah. The, the hot water makes it work faster. Really. So I dropped from like 180 to 23 in like 45 minutes. Oh my goodness! And is that from the blood flow? The shower. I think like it just moves the blood, the blood, blood faster, faster, and so it gets into your bloodstream faster. Quicker. It just goes. Interesting. Um, and so I went from like 180 to 23 in seriously 45 minutes, and that's crazy. I didn't pass out, but I blacked out. Like there's a section I don't remember, um, and my dad, I mean, basically saved my life. Like he saw that I was like out of it and just like started shoving juice. And so you were conscious, but you just don't remember that. Like yeah, my dad was like, "You were awake." But I have no idea what happened between, like, the time I got out of the shower oh my and gosh. I came to, like, consciously sitting yeah. on the kitchen floor with my dad shoving, like, food whatever food, food and coming. juice boxes and oh stuff in my, my mouth. Goodness. That was the scariest one. That's, yeah. That's, but That beats me, man. Dude, oh it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's so scary. That's just one of those things where... Like if I was home alone and that happened, like I would have died. Like it's yeah. over. Right? I live alone. I don't. I don't have any roommates or anything. I live completely alone. So and I, I did that for a while too. And like, it's. Do you have like a, a CGM or anything? No, I don't wear any tubing or anything. Yeah, I do it all. So you do shots, shots. Still? Yep. Because you had a pump have, for a while. I did. That's how we actually met. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah so I we worked out together at this yeah. place in Comet called Common, Common Ground. Yeah. It's like this rec center basically in Elkhorn. You were in high school yeah. going Elkhorn South? Elkhorn, Elkhorn South, yep. Um, and I was working across the street at uh, a credit card processor. And so I would come over on my lunch breaks, which I took like late afternoon, which was you were coming over right up from high school. Right school yep. And I I peeped the tubing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey, are you a diabetic? Yeah, because I used to not be shy about it. I would wear my pump right outside yeah. of the shorts. Everyone could see it. And I, I didn't care. I've never been shy about diabetes. Yeah, like all, I've got, I wear pods now. Yeah. And so like I'll wear them on my arms sometimes. Like they're just out. Like they're just, yeah, whatever, who cares? It's you know? Um, but yeah, I was like. You're a type one diabetic. <laughs> I am. I am. And uh, I so I wore the. I started off with shots, probably for a year when I first got diagnosed. And then I wore the pump for probably, probably four or five years. Yeah. And what I got to realize is, one, the tubing doesn't work with sports. Yeah. The nice thing about the pump is. Like, for example, I take Lantus now, which is like your 24-hour long-acting insulin. Once it's in, it's in for a day. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not – if you're going low, that insulin's in you. So, it, it makes it a little hard. So, the pump was nice because I used only short-acting and it gave me yeah. little bits throughout the day. You and have a little bit more control over what insulin you're getting at Right. And so, time. I could suspend it. That's the yeah. nice thing I miss about the pump. But problem is, is playing sports is that tubing can get pulled out all the time. Yeah. All the time. Or it wouldn't go in, especially when I started lifting, I started getting more muscle hardness in my legs yep. or my stomach. I started to lose body fat. I And the, the, the little tube would goes, bend. Well, and it's supposed to go right into the fatty layer under the skin. Yeah. So if you're super lean, it's kind of tough it's to tough. go. It's tough, yeah. And so it would Luckily, just, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I 
would, and it's uh, it would bend, and yeah. and, it, and if it worked, it would hurt really yes. bad. I would I would just be miserable. I even yeah. tried the little silhouette ones. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking yep, about? Yeah, that's what I went to. Yeah, and I eat, but those hurt. They worked, but they hurt like hell. Like I would be, I would those, those are long needles, long needles going, too. Yeah. And I and I just felt it the whole day, and I was like, you know what? I probably my I think it was about my junior year of high school. I was like, I'm done with the pump. Yeah, I'm just gonna do shots. I don't care. I don't mind the shots. No, the shots are not bad. And though. I don't want to wear anything. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? I I can sometimes it would get pulled out. The worst is some. This happened a lot actually. So the pump is like you have a tube that goes in your leg, and then that tube connects to your insulin pump, and it looks like a pager, basically. like a pager. Yeah, and, and it sends insulin through you throughout the day, and then you can click on it per meals and stuff. But what happened is that tubing would get caught in my blankets or whatever, and then pull out. Yeah, and so I would wake up like at like five hundred. Yeah, because my tubing was out all night. I had no insulin. Yeah, and so it's like. I just got so sick of that, and then I, you know, I probably fifty percent of the time I had to reinsert a new one after like six hours because it didn't yep. go in right, and you had no way of knowing. And then they'd get pulled out in sports, or if like my football pads rubbed on it on my leg, or you know, and then wearing yep. on your stomach, and it just they didn't work out for me. And and I think it's good for for people like the pump for sure, like kids or whoever people who aren't playing like rough contact sure. sports. Yeah, it's really convenient. But if you're, you know playing sports super active and and especially most kids are running around doing stuff i'm not a huge fan of them personally so i actually that's part of the tubing is why i switched to an omnipod yeah which is tubeless um you still run into some issues if like you could it could get knocked off or whatever still but without the tubing sturdy is it pretty sturdy yeah it's pretty durable i i haven't had any issues with it after what do you wear arm um i've I've worn it i've got one on my hip right now yeah um you can put them on like your butt you can i put them on my arms put them on my stomach they're pretty versatile i see people wear them like everywhere yeah i've seen them a lot i think i've seen somebody wearing it on like their calf I've really? seen them on like a forearm. Like they'll wear them anywhere. Anywhere. Um, I'll put them. I put them usually. I'll put them like kind of between like the shoulder and the bicep on yeah, the side. Yeah, that's where I tend to see them. Because there's like, like a little bit of there's like a little gap there between the muscles. Yeah. That you can kind of get a spot in there. Um, and I've liked those a lot just because you're right. The tubing blows. No, it's terrible. Um, I hate it. And I absolutely hate it. The um, just having always being attached to something and having something pull. My dogs used to pull it out all the time. Oh, yeah, it'd be like, terrible. I'd be wrestling with the dogs or whatever, they'd jump up into the and chair pull and, out. and then they would jump off and they would just take it with their leg. Oh, man. Mine was um, door handles. Door handles of Door handles. Out. I used to do it in basketball all the time. So I used to end up just disconnecting during basketball games. Yeah. Because I played in college. Yeah. And so I would just disconnect during games and practice because otherwise. Like, somebody's hand gets caught on it, my own hand yeah. would get caught on it, and it's constantly just getting ripped out, and it sucked, man. Oh, like it was, sugars go high after the game, you're probably, like, 300. I'm yeah, yeah, and so, like, I'm drinking, I'm usually sipping on a little bit of Gatorade to make sure I don't go low during the game, then I end up at, like, three, 400 after yeah. the game because I'm not getting insulin, and I've been drinking Gatorade, yeah. and it's a, it was a whole ordeal. Yeah, it's um, not easy, man. So, that was, uh, yeah, I... I totally understand moving away from the pump i've seen a lot of people i don't know if you follow like a bunch of diebacks on instagram or whatever not many um, i have one guy he actually is an MMA, professional mma fighter he uh he just fought on he got robbed horribly on a decision on the contender series to get into the ufc oh yeah um so he's in bellator right now his name's uh, jordan williams he's from uh northern california and uh he's an mma fighter who who's a type of diabetic yeah. too and that's probably the only one but 
Yeah, he's. I think he's just doing shots too. Yeah, I've I mean. seen several. Like, there's um, a couple bodybuilders that I follow that are type one diabetics or just random like fitness people or whoever. Yeah, that Jason Poston. Yeah, know? Jason yeah, Poston. Cool. I follow him too. Him and uh, Brett Kahn. Brett Kahn. I haven't heard. He of him. played like running back at Michigan State, and now he's a professional bodybuilder. Oh, really? Um, he is. Those are the two big ones that I follow that are like professional bodybuilders. Poston's cool, and he he talks about it openly a lot. Yeah, I mean, and he does, and he talks about kind of like what you were talking about with. He's talking about how like the steroid use affects his diabetes. Now he has to be careful with the hormones or whatever. See, that's the thing: is diabetes is a hormonal thing. Like, and it, like insulin's a hormone, so and I don't, it messes like, with the rest of your hormones yeah. too, which a lot of people don't realize. Like it throws like your thyroid and your testosterone. It throws everything out of whack. Yeah, because it's like an immuno disorder, right? And so that's one of the things that people don't realize. And that's one of the things I like about Jason Poston because he is real open about like, hey, these are kind of the different things I tried. And he kind of switches on and off. Like he'll have a, I think he uses a Libre, which I think is also a tubeless one. Yeah. Um, and it's like real flat. Like it's like a little, looks like a quarter just attached to you. Really? Um, I'm not familiar with all the technology. I, I, they, all my doctors have always tried to push like, oh, try the CGM, try this, yeah. all this new. I'm like, look, I'm old school. I like, <laughs> I like Humalog and Lantis. And I use, Humalog's what I use. Um, they didn't, I'm, I'm not allowed to use it. I have to use Novolog now. Really? My insurance, your insurance? My insurance, and, and I think Novolog is trash. I think it's terrible. Dude. Compared to Humalog, it's terrible. That's, that's, they never I've been lucky with my insurance and honestly that's why I work at PayPal is I haven't paid a dime for diabetes stuff since I started working at PayPal. Really? Their insurance covers everything diabetes oh, related. Oh, that's so nice. Which is awesome. Like yeah, that's, and you're getting Humalog. Humalog alone oh, is yeah. way better. I think it's twice as effective as no I, th- I think it is. I, I took I took half. Like when I was on Humalog, I originally was on Humalog, I took literally half of what, you have of to what I had to take Novolog. for Novolog. Yeah. Which that messes you up too. Like having to take all that insulin yeah. Oh, yeah. messes you up in terms of like trying to cut weight or whatever. Yeah. And, like and it was tough. This last cut, like... Like the cut itself wasn't bad, but yeah. like if either I went, I think it was so the way the cut works, I'll explain it. So on, I start my weight cut. So I, if I fight on Saturday, yeah, I start at the pre the Sunday before, so six six days. There, so my weigh ins Friday, the day before the fight, sure, five days prior Mon- or Sunday, Sunday at seven p.m. into Monday at seven p.m. Normal carbs, lots of salt, and three gallons of water. Um, to Monday night into Tuesday night is two and a half gallons of. Uh, preferably salt water, lots of carbs and sodium. And then the next day is uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday night. That's two gallons of salt water, lots of carbs and sodium. Mm-hmm. Your weight goes up at this point because you're super hydrated. Yes. And then you and cut out. got a lot of salt retention. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then Wednesday night into Thursday night, you, you only do one gallon of water, zero salt, zero carbs. And so you you start peeing like crazy, yeah. pissing out. I mean, ridiculous <laughs> amount of water. And it's insane. And then on the last day, you do Thursday at 7 p.m., to Friday at 7 p.m. when your weigh-in is, and there's no water, very no carbs, no salt. You basically so just dry out. Yeah, so yeah. I go, I went to like 65, so I was like, shit, what am I going to do? So I just had like three glucose tabs, got myself up to, and I was taking like hardly any insulin. Yeah, you're just basically zeroing out yeah, the so, And that's the thing, yeah. so I took, I had like three glucose tabs just to get it up above, and that's scary though, because you don't know if your body's going to like, because your body's craving like yes. every, any carb or... So you don't know if it's just going to hold on to the hold water on to, at that yeah, point. Yeah, and so I was like, uh, so it gets scary trying to like 
plan your timing out the way cut, but it's uh, I, I I've kind of gotten a grasp now that I've I fought you know enough times to figure out how to how to make it work and and uh, cut the weight and lower my insulin based upon you know where sure. I'm at in the cut too. So I think we're getting it down to a T. So let's I want to talk about. Um, one more MMA question, and then we'll move on to the powerlifting stuff because I want to make sure, sure we get to yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, how does it usually work between your, your amateur fights and trying to become a pro? Like, how many fights do you, people usually get? What's that process look like? So, a pro is a pro regardless of sport. So, if I let's say I was in the NFL, yeah, and I want to decide to retire from the NFL and go fight, mm-hmm. you can't fight amateur. Once you're paid in a sport, you're any a pro. sport, in any sport, sure, you're a pro. Obviously, I was never a professional in any other sport, so I started as an amateur. Sure. And the amateur career, you build up, you know, your experience level, everything like that. And then you typically, if you're at a good gym and, you know, fight for a good promotion, you know, like Dynasty, they, you kind of, they build your your career based on like getting you different looks you'll fight a good striker maybe a good you'll fight a couple easy opponents at first i never really got that luxury. <laughs> you were supposed to and then supposed to. you fought a d1 wrestler yeah. instead <laughs> so 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 they the way they do it is they'll, they'll try to get you a good wrestler a, a striker you know maybe a durable opponent and then yeah. so they give you a good amount of looks of fights and typically anywhere from five to some people go as many as 20 amateur fights yeah and uh on your discretion when you're ready to turn pro i could go turn pro in my next fight if i wanted to sure I could have turned pro before I even had a fight. I could have made my first fight pro. Yeah. That's obviously not a good idea, but it's kind of on your discretion on when you feel you want to turn pro. And obviously your you, your coaches are the ones who say, hey, you're ready to turn yeah, pro. Yeah, sure. You're, it's time, you know, and it's, you're working with guys that were in the UFC, so UFC they have a good and idea. Then, yeah, of what. And, they, and they've been around the fight game forever. Sure. And, and especially the Midwest MMA scene, they know how to build you up into yeah. your career. Because like the way we, we say it is like, I'm a baby in the game. I'm not even born. I'm still in yeah. the sack. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm like in utero even, right I'm now. I'm not even in my rookie season. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm so still growing in the sport. So like they're you, to mold you, and then when they say, you know, let's say four, five, six fights from now, whatever it is, they say, hey, you're ready for a pro fight. It's time to to do that, and then yeah. they'll find you. You know, a fight, and usually you'll fight a few cans as a pro, sure. build your pro record up. But if you're smart, and then you start getting a couple tougher opponents, be some tougher opponents. So hopefully, you can get on the contender series, you get into the UFC, or even get signed straight away. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of how that works. And so I'm looking at probably going pro, either. Maybe in Thailand next year, um, but I'm still super young. I'm only 20. Most people yeah. don't start as young as me. I'm, it's usually people are between 23. Because you 20, started at like 18, 18 training, training right? like hard, like actually training hard like and dedicating myself. Yeah. yeah, and so I, so I'm still very, very young, and it's which is good. Which is that's super, awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's super good to know that, and so like. I've you got all the time and kind of yeah. really methodically plan out what I want to do with my career when I, you know, when I want to turn pro. So I'm thinking either in Thailand or maybe right when I come back from Thailand, I'll, I'll turn pro, make my first fight pro. So in Thailand, you're going to be training Muay Thai? Uh, Tiger Muay Thai. So they have Muay Thai there and like the best Muay Thai in the world. Sure. They're like yeah, yeah. literally like you're going to like where do you like want to the learn Muay Thai? Yeah. The birthplace. Like yeah. if you want to be a kickboxer and know how to throw bones. It's Thailand. You're going to Thailand. Yeah. You're going to Tiger Muay Thai. Um, they got tons of guys in the people in the probably thirty people in the UFC train there, and then you got guys popping in and out of camps. World class kickboxers are in and out of there doing sure. camps. So you're training with some of the best, of the best, and then even like girls like Joanny and Jajic train there. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, some of the best female kickboxers in the world. So you've got all levels 
of people coming from Russia. You got people coming from the Middle East, people from Europe, people yeah. from the United States, Brazil. And so Tiger Muay Thai, it's kind of cool because it's not just Muay Thai. It's an, it's technically an MMA camp. It's Think of it like a campus, right? Mm-hmm. They got people, places where you live, right? And it's on this little campus and they have like their jujitsu section yeah. and they have really good grappling there, like super good. And one of my teammates went out there um, and knows all their jujitsu guys. So I kind of got a good connection to go out there to, you know, have a good word put in for me out there. And sure. Um, and then the wrestlers out there, Khabib's team trains out there. Oh, nice. All the Chechens and Dagestani people. Yeah. Man, those guys are savage. So they're out yeah. training out there. And then you got your MMA guys. And so all that together and you're, it's all planned out, your schedule. The food is all from Tiger Muay Thai. And you can obviously go eat anywhere. Sure, but, yeah. But they have like a Tiger Grill, and then I just have a food card and just swipe that card. So it's basically and just MMA college, basically. It's basically MMA yeah, college, it, yeah. That's pretty sweet. And, and then in a way, I think at the same point, they have, you know, the guy, I don't know if you follow like all, how deep you follow the UFC, but the guy who just won the featherweight title, Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he trains there. So you have like world-class, like, I, I mean, yeah. like. Like it, legit dudes. Legit dudes. Yeah. It, it's a top three place in the world to train arguably the best place in the world to train i would say that maybe american top team and you know jackson wink and and uh those are really the big kind of big places aka maybe but tiger muay thai is huge and it's it's cool because it's it's pretty westernized too in the sense that like i won't be going there and i'll be the only guy who speaks english it won't be like a huge culture shock yeah right it won't be a huge culture shock at all i mean i'm sure it will be to a certain extent extent, it'll be a big culture shock but you know there's a lot of americans that train there and so like it's not like i'm just going in blindly with no idea what to expect (laughs) you know what i mean plus you know one of my close teammates his name is chris um He's talked with me a lot, giving me all the details of what I'm going to need to expect. He spent a year out there, just yeah. under a year out there. And uh, and he's like, man, your level is going to go way up training with those guys. Nice. And, and the kickboxing and Muay Thai there is just, I mean, there's no better place in the world to go. Yeah. So you know what I mean? And um, there's a guy in the UFC named Khalil uh, Roundtree. Yeah. And uh, he went out there. I think he got knocked out before he went out there. And he's like, you know what? I need to get. I need to become a striker. Yeah. He went out to Thailand. His next fight after spending a year in Thailand was like night and day. He goes and he fought Eric Anders and he looked so good. And he had that Thai stance. His leg kicks were just, I mean, like a totally different fighter yeah. after training there for a year. And so it's like, it's people are thinking, man, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have to do so much cool stuff out there. But I'm treating this like a work trip. This yeah. isn't, I, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's days I'll chill and do fun yeah. stuff. But I'm. this is basically like... An internship for yeah. me. This is like my it's like your apprenticeship. My yeah. apprenticeship, yeah. yeah, to go out there and, and really become like if this is what you want to do for a living, like this, this is, is how where you get need there. to go, and this yeah. is how I got to get there, and and uh, so I want to go out there and learn, you know, with the with the best kickboxers and Muay Thai people in the world, and um, so I'm thinking I'll maybe turn pro out there or, or uh, when I come back, yeah, you know, one of the two, and again, I'm only 20, so I'll be 20. Two when I come back, yeah, because I turn twenty one in July, and then I'll be I'll turn twenty two when I'm out there and come back in January. I'll be twenty two and a half. Sure, I still got time, so it's like there's time, no yeah. rush, you know what I mean. And right now, what I need is just to soak up as many hours on the mat, just and, learn as much and as you learn can. and yeah. just be be a sponge. Yeah, be on the mats as much as I can, study film, watch footage and training, and just being in that environment. And um, that's basically what I got to do. So nice, uh, and you do. You do BJJ tournaments now, right? Yeah, yep. I do jujitsu tournaments a lot, and because uh, I, I was, I'm, I, I like striking. Yeah. And I used to hate jujitsu, but I was like, you know what? If I want to get my ground game good, sure. And and, and gotta get better at that. You know, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I just started doing jujitsu tournaments. 
I've done seven or eight. I say yeah, you, it and, seems like you've uh, done a lot of them. A lot of them, and so it's like there. That's helped my jujitsu become very, very much even with my kickboxing now and, and everything else and a lot of people even think of me as a jiu-jitsu guy now which is kind of funny and I'm like I'm not because you're like no you know, I, I want to strike I, I like throwing hands and I haven't really been able to my last two fights but I'm like I'm that's not probably a great guy. for you though right it is. like in the, long term, in the long term you take become, away the one thing yeah. that you're most comfortable with yep. and you learn the stuff that you're just like man I don't even want to do that Yeah. and then it just brings your whole game up 100% because as soon as you're able to strike again then you'll have a much more complete fight complete package, game right? especially a guy takes me down i know how to fight off my back yeah. or if i take somebody down you're way more comfortable, you know, way on, the more comfortable on the ground yeah. and, and the control of your body on the ground's huge so it's like becoming balanced and getting every aspect of fighting down to a t again back to soaking up all the all the information i can and for that's, sure that's what i'm doing right now all right well i want to get to powerlifting, powerlifting. now because right. that's my baby yes sir right? that's my bread and butter that's kind of where we First, get yep. got to know each other, kind of spawn each other at yep. the shitty common ground, the, common ground <laughs> the high school playground, the daycare for all the kids who can't drive yet. Basically, um, high school. All, all these fifteen-year-olds yeah. trying to put up plates. Yeah. Um, oh man. And so you are even at twenty years old, one of the strongest dudes I've ever met in terms of, especially your squat and your deadlift. Not my bench. Bench is terrible. <laughs> never, I've never been a bencher. I, I, I think that's the one place that's I can one. still get. Yeah, I can oh, still yeah. get you. On most people, man, they got me on bench. That's terrible. Uh, but so, your what is your best squat and deadlift all time? So my best deadlift in straps. So I never. I I am a cheater. First of all, I, I use, use sumo well, and straps. I, I use sumo. sumo I use straps. I don't even. I care. don't care. I it's, I've never used a suit though. I've always lifted no, yeah. raw it's in the raw. sense that yeah. I've never used a suit on anything. Um, but my best and the worst thing about it, my best on video, I had yeah. 775 um, on video. Yep. And I went for 800 right after that. So the way it went down was I went for 800. I missed it. Yeah. Right. And I was like, just pissed. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to take 10 minutes. And I got it up to my knees. It was close. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to take 10 minutes, redo it. And I re, re put the weights, redid the weights because it was like the way we set it up. I had the 100 pound plates on the end. And it, that wasn't smart. Yeah, that's a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> so I put, it, I put it towards the middle and, uh, on, uh, no, I put it on the on the okay. middle. And so I put it on the end to get more whip. Okay. So it made it a little easier. I'm not all the way on the end, but a little closer. Close so that way the, the whip is a little bit easier for me because it's, it's kind of like lifting on kilo plates. It's yeah. a lot harder than like. Because uh, it's so much closer so to much the center. So much closer, yeah. yeah. There's less give on the bar. So I get it. And I get a phone call, or no, my phone died during the during the lift. So I have no proof. I did it. I got no proof. So I went a couple days later. I go for it and I missed it. And I missed it. And I'm like, and at this point, I'm I'm getting I'm in get, entering fight camp. Yeah. So I have to like drift away from from powerlifting. Yeah. So I was in between fights and I was hitting this uh, those that 800 and, and so I'm eating whatever I want and now I'm like. Uh, you know, five weeks <laughs> after the fight, I, I, I can't, I, 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 I'm not gonna be able to do it yeah. on video. You can't, can't so keep grinding at it. I did, I guess. So you video, did 800. I did 800, but it doesn't video matter. Video proof is, no, video, is 775. Video proof is 775, but I did get 800 in straps. Um, well, I believe you. I was so upset. <laughs> I'm still, that's like my worst thing. Uh, one day, when I'm, I'll maybe I'll get like old and fat, and I'm just gonna get to like 300 pounds, and I'm like, dude, see, that's the best part, right? So. 
your strength prime is probably like from 35 to 42. That's what I've heard. Yeah. It's, it's older. Yeah. Right. And so you could fight for the next 15 years, years and then go and then just hammer it. Yeah. And then only do jujitsu at that point. Just be way stronger than everybody. That's the plan. That's a There's a dude idea. that's super strong. Um, Chad Wesley Smith. I've heard of him. That I've seen him on Instagram, I think. He's one of yeah. the strongest dudes around. And he basically just power lifts and does jujitsu. Really? Like oh, that's his jiu-jitsu? that's his jam. You can check him out. Um, but yeah, so seven seventy five on video, eight hundred. On, on the. I'm, I believe you because you wouldn't lie to me. Um, what's what about squats? Squats. So I did seven twenty five. So I did that's seven and a quarter. Six. So I had six seventy five, seven plates, and then a quarter. So seven twenty five. There you go. And that was in wraps in the big old. Uh, Pioneer Fitness Wraps. Shout out to them. They're the best brand. I use their figure eight straps and their wraps. I did that. Do you like um, the figure eight straps better than the other ones? Yes. I, I deadlift. I'm not even shitting you. I deadlift more um, with no straps than the regular straps. Really? They just throw me off. But the figure eights, no. The figure eights are, are money. I love the figure eight straps. And they're probably a little bit giving more an advantage than regular straps. But they... Listen, they, you still got to pick the weight up. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's like I... I that's why people like... People... Regular people straps sh- suck. People talk shit on like... Sumo, they talk shit on straps and everything. Yeah. It's like you still gotta pick up that weight. Yeah, right. Man. You still do, and that's like, the thing. like if you're if you're same with knee wraps. Like you still gotta get it up. You might get a little thing. boost out of the hole, but I've never used knee wraps, but I'll use uh, like pretty tight knee sleeves. sleeves. Yeah, which you don't get quite the same bounce out of the hole, but you get a little bit. Right. But like, here's the thing. That's helping you the first like ten percent of the lift, and then you you yeah, still gotta lift the weight, man. Like and that's the thing. So in the video of me hitting seven twenty five on squat. I have a bad problem with caving my knees and everybody on my barbell is like, dude, you're going to blow a knee out if you're not careful. Yeah. You've got to fix that. And it's just been a habit for, I think it's because my, uh, ad, what's adductor? Yeah. It's yeah ad, ad is the inside, yeah, right? Yeah. Abductor goes out, add in. So my adductors are, I think are weak. Yeah. Compared to everything. So then my knees cave in, in the video, like, I mean, you, you'll cringe because you'll see my knees go in yeah as i as i get out of that hole at the bottom and you're just like you'll be like biting your nails like don't break and like, like don't like, pop the knee up don't pop the knee up, up. The knee it's up. scary yeah <laughs> so it's like you look at that and so that's the other thing is like i've never had a knee injury i've actually never had really any the only powerlifting injury i've ever had is i tore a lap yeah uh, back when i actually lifted at common ground yeah and I, I was only pulling like 315 and for my last warm-up and i tore a lap on that lift yeah that's the only real like injury i've ever had from powerlifting were you doing like a were you doing an over under grip over under grip yeah was it on the underside it was on this yeah it would have been my underside that a lot of people they'll get like a lat or a bicep yeah i've never gotten a bicep which is why i lift with straps yeah because i'm not doing hook grip because that shit sucks hurt your thumbs so bad even on two plates i did two plates if you're lifting any any real weight at all it feels like your thumbs are gonna fall that's why uh dr deadlift man you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. dude he does hook grip but he probably has long fingers so if you look at my fingers i also i got short little stubby stubby fingers fingers. it's huge palms but I yeah. have stubby fingers yeah. compared to my palms. So it's a lot to like reach my short thumb around my hand. And get and it in there. In there. Yeah, it's almost yeah. impossible. I can't do hook grip. I can't either. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm soft, but that's Maybe fine. it is. I'm soft, too. Yeah, we're just so soft. Probably. I just, know, no I just have no interest in it no, whatsoever. Yeah, it hurts, man. I did it on, like, one... Um, there's, like, one plate on a warm-up. I was like, nope, that's not for me. Yeah, I, I did Give me the, the same straps. thing. I tried to plates, and I was like, you put the straps on, and yeah. Nope. Um, but, yeah, so I'll use the straps. I got to try the figure eights, though. I haven't ever They're tried good. figure eights. They're good. Get Pioneer Fitness. Pioneer. They're really good. That, uh... I, I'm, I mean, they're super durable. I've had them for like three years now. And I get um, a lot of my powerlifting gear from Stronghouse Project. I never heard of them. So they're 
I've only used sleeves and wrist wraps. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think they sell figure eight straps, so I might have to go over to Pioneer. Uh, Pioneer's good. To yeah, get I've never used stuff. sleeves. I've only done uh, knee wraps. So before. I'll do um, sleeves both for knees, and then I, because I bench, I bench frequently because it's yeah. my jam. Like, jam. That's just yeah, my, you always want to bench. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, and so I'll use sleeves on a lot of my benches just because to save my elbows. Yeah. And. I probably get a little bit of pop from it. I use the cuffs, the elbow yeah. cuffs sometimes too. Um, and, and it's I probably get a little bit of advantage from it. I can't use them in competition. Yeah. But they make my elbows feel so much better. And oh, with the yeah. volume that I go at with pressing movements, whether it's sure. whether it's because I'll overhead press, I'll do I do an overhead press, I do a heavy bench, and I do a speed bench every week. Oh, so you're high volume. Yeah, yeah. And so I get a pretty good amount of yeah. pressing in. And so it's like I'm saving the elbows as much as I can. Yeah. And then whatever it helps me, like, I'll just account for that in competition because I, otherwise I just wouldn't get through. Yeah, and, and it, I don't think it's that much. Probably 10 pounds, 15 pounds. At most. Like, I've most. done, I've done different like, I, I've done my entire prep, like, meat prep with sleeves on and then I take them off and as long as I've got the paws down on the chest, like I'm fine. Like yeah. it, it, it's almost no difference for me. Interesting. Um, I yeah, I I like them too for the same reasons. Cause like I I would bench. I used to bench three times a week. I used to do uh, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. And uh, so I I would bench a lot because you know I I used to remember when I did small off. Yeah. And I then you did small off for, for the bench, junior bench for, for the right. Bench yeah. And I couldn't do it, and I eventually tried. It's a lot it's of similar. Volume. It's just too, I think it's too much for bench. Yeah. I, I think it's great for squat, but it's too for. You're, you, you're talking about can well. You're talking about like different muscle groups, right? The legs are a really large they muscle group that they can recover. Yeah. The bench is really a fairly small muscle groups that yeah. you're working oh, yeah. with, and it puts a lot of stress on them. So exactly, I used to bench heavy twice a week. I don't do that anymore. I do one heavy day a week, and then one speed day where I'm at like. 70 to 80 percent and i'm just doing speed reps to make sure i keep yeah. my explosive See, i used to this. max every time i lifted really back in the day. i used to max squat every week i used to max deadlift every week max bench yeah once or twice a week and and that's through when i was at common grounds basically what i did and then i was like huh what's the smoke lock stuff so i tried that i remember I that because you were trying to get me to do it and i was like bro i can't squat three times four no it's four yeah i was like so i can't do that monday wednesday friday saturday yeah it's and then the way it works is it's so I gotta remember correctly. You start off you max. Yeah. And then you find four you do on Monday you do four sets of nine at seventy percent of your max. Yeah. So not bad. And then on uh, Wednesday you do five sets of seven at seventy five percent of your max. Then on Friday you do seven sets of five at eighty percent of your max. Seven yeah. sets of five. Which is a ton. A ton. The very next day you do ten sets of three at eighty five percent of your max. That's <laughs> week. That's like a, week one that's of the mess. One cycle. week. That the is one week. week. Yeah. The next week you do the same exact thing, but you add twenty pounds to that the percentage. To what you started. Yeah. yeah. And then the week after that you add ten. Then you max the first time. You take like a two week, do a switching phase, and then you do the the intense phase, and it just the volume is just. I don't. It's a little bit. We. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But yeah. It, the volume. Of it's on, intensity, It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Like I and I'm so mad at the small lab because I I got every single rep that I had to do. Yeah. Except for I think you spotted me. I did. I think. And I missed the last. I think it was. Uh, I think it was. 
I upped the weight by like five extra pounds. Do you remember that? I, I do. Because I think I was, I was supposed to do like 310. And you this. wanted the three plates. And I wanted the three plates. Because it looks cooler. Yeah. And, I, and I, was, I think it was on one of the ones where I did a little bit higher reps. I think it was like seven sets of five maybe. Yeah, I think so. And so on the last set, I only got like four. And then we went and did that last one rep. But I got everyone yeah. throughout the whole thing. I wanted to say I got it without missing a single lift. But I got four and I missed the fifth. And I had to go back and do the last rep. I was so mad about that. <laughs> But that thing will kick your butt. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, and you have, I mean, I, for me, I'm happy if I can get, like, one uh, deadlift and one squat in a week because, like, my my back's been terrible for years. Yeah. And the volume on that, like, I can usually, if I stay low volume, I'm usually okay. Good, yeah. But if I get into high volume on squats and deads, like, it just kills me. See, I never did super high volume. The way I would do it. I would, uh, when I was really like a little bit smart about things, I would do one heavy bench, one light bench. And I would do my, usually my um, heavy bench on Monday. And I would do a lot less hypertrophy work after, yeah. just kind of focusing on actual like uh, compound lifts. Yeah. And uh, I would do that. Tuesday would be my heavy deadlift. I usually took Wednesday off. And then I would do Thursdays be my light bench, more my kind of my bodybuilding yeah. upper body, like I do all my curls and shoulders, chest. I do, I would do kind shoulder, of the, the glory muscles. The glory muscles, yeah. yeah. And I would bench on that day, yeah. be more of a volume bench. And then Friday was my heavy squat. And then Saturday was usually like another kind of hypertrophy day with, you yeah. know, sometimes I'd bench if I felt okay, but sometimes I'd do like uh, overheads or whatever it was. And so that was how I used to plan it. And I felt like I usually, well, I would recover pretty well, but I had never did anything like insane volume outside of that small lot yeah. thing. I would always do like for a bench workout, I would go one plate for a couple reps, two plates, a couple reps, throw two and a quarter on a couple reps, three fifteen for a few, and then do like two or three sets of like three at like whatever my working weight is. Yeah. And then I would usually go back to like a comfortable number like a three plates let's say and then max reps for sure. once and yeah. that was it so i really like four sets of like actual like work work yeah you know and same thing with deadlift i would go all the way up to like work for a heavy single double or triple and yeah. then i would go back down to like let's say 585 and max reps as many as i could do or i could do like whatever a certain cool number and i would just kind yeah. of choose <laughs> that's that's like pete rubish one-on-one right there he loves if old pete rubish's videos he would used to do like 405 for like 40 reps yes deadlift. yeah and it's just and i'm like dude what are you doing yeah i was like my spine would come through my back yeah and he, he his i was i don't know if you remember his washer and dryer days uh, those uh-huh. videos back and he used to lift in uh, I think it was his parents basement yeah and he had a little mat on the in his in the basement and he had a washer and dryer behind him <laughs> and this I mean probably he's maybe my age a couple years older and he's ripping up seven eight hundred pounds off the floor screaming yeah. and it's just him in his basement <laughs> and those are some of the most OG powerlifting videos everyone's like bring back the washer and dryer days because he's so calm now yeah and um, but he used to be like there's one video of him I think it was like 780 for a triple Deadlifting, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. And uh, and he just throws the weight down and screams like, yeah. Like, and it's like <laughs> him in his basement. And he's, that, that's, what, that's what got me into powerlifting, man. Yeah. It really, it was Peter Rubish. He, yeah. I used to see him. I was like 15 years old, 14. And I saw that. And I'm like, that's what I want to. That's crazy. Like that. I want to be that guy who's, who everyone looks at him like, 
okay, I would never mess with that guy. Right. And that's that's really yeah how I got into powerlifting and both MMA is like I wanted to be that. The guy that nobody after with. Nobody, yeah. Nobody wanted to <laughs> yeah. mess with, like, the guy that when, like, you have those hypothetical talks of, like, if you could have anybody have your back in a bar fight, who, yeah. who would you pick? And people would be like, oh, Brock Lesnar, or, like, yeah. certain people, John Jones. And I'm like, I want to be on that list. Yeah. Of, like, the worst person to get in an altercation with in a back alley, who's that person? John Kuhneman. That's and right. I, I want, that's what, and that's what got me into powerlifting. I was like, I want to be... I, I was a skinny kid my whole life growing yeah. up, and I was like, I want to be jacked and get huge, and obviously that transitioned into MMA now, but that um, Pete Rubish, when I saw that, I got to see, like, and I was like, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be that... Dude, and it just like it does wonders for your confidence, too, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, even, even though now you're like, okay, I realize... Being able to squat and deadlift 700 pounds doesn't directly translate to fighting or anything like that. But just having the confidence of being able to walk around oh, and not yeah. feel like just some skinny kid or some yeah, I, whatever. When like, I, that's huge yeah. for you, right? When I went to the gym, I wanted to, like, when I would deadlift at Lifetime, or in, in Lifetime's the biggest gym in Omaha, all the people are there. Yes. Like, I wanted to be there at the busiest time so everyone could see me deadlift yep. at, in 700 pounds or whatever at, in front of everybody and then throw the weight down and scream. And so that way everyone's like, looks at that guy like, damn. Like, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted everyone to look at me and be like, that kid's a beast. And, and it's like a thing, like I, I wanted that. Yeah. I wanted to do lift at, that's I, I, I and, and granted, I like the, I don't like lifting by myself and it's a dead gym. Yeah. But, but aside from that aspect, like, of the the atmosphere part of things, I wanted people to look at me and be like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that guy's a beast." See, that's kind of how I that's kind of how I am with bench. Like, I like going in there and like, there's days where I have to like rep out, do like a max rep on three fifteen or whatever. Yeah, you want to see everyone looking at you. Yeah, like, look at that like, guy. how many did she just do? Yeah, what is he? What? Yeah. Um, even yeah. today, like I was this, I just joined Lifetime also, and I was doing two seventy five for my speed day. Yeah, and. I see these guys around me, like, struggling with two plates or whatever. And, like, listen, I'm not judging anybody. Like, you're getting your stuff in. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm proud of you. But, like, I want you... To look at me and be discouraged. To that's I want my, you, That was me. I wanted him to be like, I'll never be him. I don't want him to be discouraged. I want him to be amazed. Yeah. I think right? so. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like, I want him to be like, that dude's incredible. And, like, yeah. that's always what like, I've always wanted to be... Like that big, huge, yoked up dude yeah. that people are just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it, 100%. Like, I, I, like I, it seems like such a dumb motivation, but it's powerful. It is. It is. Like, I, look, I have a huge ego. I, I do. And like, I think most thing. people do, right? And I want, I, when I would lift, I wanted people to see me deadlift and I wanted them to be discouraged. Mm-hmm. I did. I, you can call me a, a shitty person or whatever, but I wanted people to look at me and be like, I'll never be there. I wanted people to like... To, and you know what I mean? It, yeah. And that helps your confidence. And then, like, um, when you start, you know, make it – and when you start seeing that the videos of, oh, look at that guy's watching me in the back. Yeah. Yes. yes. It makes me feel so good. Dude, so one of my favorite videos so. ever. And it's not even it, – it was good weight for me. I tripled – I was down in Houston, actually, because yeah. I, I was visiting my sister, and I was about a week out from – a or a couple weeks out from a powerlifting competition. So it was, like, my last deadlift session before that, and it was – 455 for a triple. Yeah. Um, which is good weight for me. And the guy next to me, you can see him in the video, is just staring at me. Yeah. And then afterwards, and I don't know if it's on the video or not, afterwards, he looks at me and he goes, 
damn, you just tripled my max. <laughs> like that's like that's, that's what, what you want. That's the, that's that's like, the thing, right? That, yeah. Like that is the thing that you are you want all the time. And yeah. when it happens, you feel so so good. good. Or even walking into a place and like, look at that man, you're jacked. Like, yeah. People like you double take and like look yes. at you. Like you want that, you dude. And do. it's so funny because people think that like meatheads in the gym or whatever they think they're always checking out the girls or whatever they are always checking out the other big guys yeah I guarantee it yep the number of times i've looked at a girl in the gym up. i can count like on half a, half hand. a hand like i don't even care i don't care i want the, i want everyone to look at me and yes. i want to be like oh he's not uh, he's not yeah i'm like is that guy bigger than me is he mentioned no, more than me no he's not it's yeah, like ah no he's soft he's just he's soft <laughs> yeah and then you, you start like you start like talking shit in your head to him yeah. he's a bitch and you're like, like oh, no, i can take him i can take him I can help you. I can help that guy. Or, oh man, imagine if you were deadlifting right now. Yeah. Or you would, or you'd see the guys who are pulling like four hundred five and and which is that's good, right? For, I mean, that's more than probably ninety percent of the population will ever probably, do, yeah. right? And so you look at that and you're just like, yeah, what's up? He's struggling with four hundred five. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, for twenty reps. What's up, man? And like you, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. I that was I, me. I was the guy struggling with four hundred five. By the way, we're not and, and that's the thing is like I, I wanted like I, I started doing all this before it became a passion of powerlifting and MMA. I wanted people not I don't know about to fear me, but to be like it's like a respect. You want to just like respect, you want to walk yeah. into a room and without saying a word that there's an instant level of respect. Yes, and it's like I wanted. It's just like maybe a little bit of intimidation. A little bit, a little bit of intimidation. Just a little. Just like, just like, like ninety percent respect yeah. and like ten percent intimidation. But I, I wanted, I craved that attention. Yeah. Of like, of like when oh I wonder if like when I'm walking out that if someone's lifting with a buddy and they talk about me. Yeah. And I wanted that like people to look at me and it, it's selfish but it's like a good mindset at the same time yeah. I wanted people to be jealous yeah. of where I was at I wanted to prove to everybody that like and I think it's, a lot of stems back to diabetes too. I think so too my, yeah. my, I was told I'd never be active and play sports and my life would totally change yeah. and, and that hit me hard and so it's like I wanted to prove not just to myself, but to everyone kind of like an F you thing. And you know, my middle yeah. fingers out to like, I can do this. You, you know, know, the other part of the diabetes thing is for me. And I talked about it a little bit before was when you tell people you have diabetes, everybody thinks fat type two. Yeah. And so you come in and you're just like yoked up and jacked and they're like, Oh, he's obviously got something different. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, that's right. not, yeah, the, that's not like, the, I'm just yeah. like, I, I want, and I know it's, kind of a dumb thing but I want to just change people's perception of what a diabetic is me too dude I wish you I know? could do the same thing like I, I hate the same like thing just the stigma of like oh you must be some like oh, can fat you eat piece this of or, shit or, can or you drink whatever. this right yeah, yeah. Like, you know I hate that at a, at a at, like if I go I don't know let's just say we are at a family friend's house or yeah. something and hey you can have this right yes I can have this like, <laughs> don't ask me I hate like, that you know what I mean like, yeah. that's the thing is like the misconception misconceptions with Type one diabetes, is and there's just, like some people you can tell it's coming from a good place, and they're yeah, like and they're not to, being malicious. Um, but they don't but like there's some people that like you know you know what pisses me off, and like I try not to be like one of those people that gets offended about everything or whatever. But if somebody's like making a fat joke and they go straight to diabetes on something, God. not even about me, but like that's the first thing like I get triggered so fast. Oh, me too. Because I'm just like, I oh, too. fuck you, man. Like, yeah, that's, like, like, like I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the guy who gets offended and looks for a reason to be all upset. But I'm like, but like that, I'll go off on that. I'll, I'll be like. 
that I do. You know what I mean? It's like, like, first of all, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know about. what you're talking about. And even like like medical professionals, like nurses oh and gosh. stuff, they have no they have no idea how diabetes works. No, like they really at don't. All. Like they they don't. I mean, some not saying all. Oh, must be no, but there's but, a shocking percentage that you're just like, oh, you don't even, know how even, any of this works. Yeah, even like like doctors at like general practitioners, they yes. don't they don't know either. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. Like I had I had one doctor um my when I was a kid at my old general practitioner she's like yeah make sure you're not taking when I started lifting and, yeah. and getting putting all size on at that point and she's like hey make sure you're not taking things like creatine and BCAs those are terrible for you they're gonna mess your blood sugars up and I'm like you don't know what you're talking about I was like that's not true at it's all it's not true at all like none of that's none true, of that's true. <laughs> so there, it's, if she was like hey be careful about steroids and stuff like that it can yeah, mess with your right. hormones it's like sure that makes sense. She said creatine and BCAs. And I'm like, hey, you know what I'm Be careful about. with that whey powder, all right, Yeah, John? be careful with that whey protein powder. Yeah. I, and, and that's the thing. It's like the three things, man, I feel like my whole life, not to be the victim guy, my whole life's been really a lot of things I'm into are very misconceptions, right? Diabetes. Yeah. People really are ignorant on MMA. People don't know what it's like to get in there and fight in a Sure, cage. yeah. They have no idea the adrenaline dump, the high that's in there, yeah. the lows of day-to-day. When you have a good sparring session, you're on top of the world. You get your butt kicked in a train day of training. Your confidence for the fight's like terrible. Yeah, and it's like the ups and downs. I feel like I could smash John Jones too. I couldn't beat a preschooler. This, you know, the ups yeah. and downs. Yeah, and then powerlifting. And on the same point, people don't realize they just assume you're just some meathead. And you yeah, know what I mean, so like all those things. It's like, like obviously, if I couldn't have, if I could get rid of diabetes, I would. But absolutely, yeah. I think in in looking at it, back at it, it's prepared me and molded me into everything that I am now yeah. and it's given me all of the different tools I've needed to be you know successful as possible and and the career endeavors that I want to hit you know for I mean? sure so I think yeah I, I feel the same way and there's a lot of it, it kind of just puts a chip on your shoulder that yeah kind of gets you ready to face basically face anything anything yeah it makes you I think diabetes makes you mentally tougher I, I think it has to, right? Because, like, there's days it just sucks. Sucks, yeah. You and know? then people, I mean, no, as a 10-year-old kid, you're taking shots every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every single day, and you're checking about your 10 times, 8 times a day, whatever, 10 shots a day. Dude, and I don't know, I don't know if you experienced this at all, but, like, when I first got diagnosed, um, I was in elementary school. I was, like, in second grade, third grade, second yeah. grade, I think. Um, and, like, kids... Are like kids don't know what you have. They just right. know you're sick, and so like there's a lot of kids that are like scared of being around you, yeah, because they don't want to get sick. And like I don't blame them, but like that's also they just sh- don't know. Yeah, that's a shitty it's, thing it to sucks. go through yeah. as a kid too. I never had, I never had that. I was old. Well, and you got a little older, so like people, sixth grade, knew people knew a little like bit I, more. Yeah, and so I didn't get that. I never had anyone uh, like fear diabetes, yeah. but I have gotten like dirty looks when I take insulin in public. At yeah, a restaurant. I've had people like, like, oh, that's like, so, what are you doing? Yeah, I had, I'm, I had some. Somebody, I forget, I think I was out to dinner with my parents and my brother, and uh, we're somewhere like I. And someone was, I don't know, but I I can't like quote on what they exactly said, yeah. but something about do you have to do that here, like take that shot here. I don't know if that was like, they said it that rude, but something, something along the, the lines effect, of that. Yeah. And I'm just like sitting there, like, what am I supposed? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Go to a dirty bathroom and take my right. shot there. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's you know what I mean. So it's yeah. like. The misconceptions behind it, and yeah, it's, I'm sure a lot of diabetics do face being singled out because of it, for sure. Yeah. Um, whether they feel that way or they are, are actually by people. Yeah. And I never, I sometimes I felt like, like in, internally, like man, no one else has to do this, um, and that sucked. But I never got the physical side of you know being singled out. But the thing is, when I say no one else has to do this. 
that's where I read, read that saying right there is why I kind of am happy about diabetes because when I'm getting punched in the face every day at training, <laughs> when I'm running at 5 a.m., yeah. preparing for a fight, when I'm cutting weight, you know, in a sauna, losing 20, 15, 20 pounds in a week, doing all these different things, I'm saying to myself, who else has to do this? Well, yeah. Like, no one else is doing this. When I'm up running at 5.30 in the morning, no one else is doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one else is willingly getting punched in the face and strangling each other for hours <laughs> every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, that's the thing. I think it really prepared me for what I was meant to do sure. with MMA is because reality, who no one else has to do this. I mean, yeah. I mean in the sense of like a very small population. Sure, yeah, yeah. No one else is. Especially type ones. Doing. I mean, there's yeah, not that not, many type Not that many. There's a ton of type twos. Yeah, a ton. And so it's like, no one really knows what we got to go through. And, and granted, I know there's worse things out there we could have, but like, you know, other diseases and stuff. Yeah. But, Really, in reality, no one, no one, even the people that are close to you, they have no idea no. every day what you got to go through. Even the people that are in your corner, you're behind you, they have no idea what we have to put ourselves through to, to survive. Yeah, just you know to know be alive mean? every I mean, day. Shoot, if the if the martial law came on and we couldn't get access to insulin, we'd be toast. Yeah. And that's why I stock up, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm smart about my, <laughs> smart about that. I got about a year, a year I'm good for a year. So if nice. the world comes to an end, we just got to get insulin after a year. Got to figure it out. Yeah. I'll start uh, getting it from pigs like they used to back <laughs> yeah, Exactly. I don't have to do that for a year though. You got so well, to figure, a year to figure out how to get it from the pig, to, right? But that's the thing is like, it, I think it's prepared us for, for the challenges. Like, I don't know if you know who David Goggins is. Do you follow him? Oh, uh, no. You gotta look him up after this. He is—he's an awesome guy, and he, he really believes about like callousing your mind. Yeah. And diabetes is one of those things that when it's prepared us, so when we face other hardships in our lives, that we're like, we're like, come on, let's go. We can, we can do this. Yeah, we got push this. through past it. You know what I mean? For sure. So, well, I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap up. I know you've yes, got to go man the corner for yeah. a fight for yes, uh, one of your teammates. So yeah. we'll get you out of here on that, uh, John. Perfect. Where can they follow you on Instagram? It's just John, J-O-N, and then my last name, Kuhneman, K-U-N-N-E-M-A-N. So just John Kuhneman, um, and that's just the at username. So, so you can find him on Instagram. You can see his training videos. You can see he puts fight videos up every time he has a fight. Yeah. Um, all his good stuff up there. You can follow his story and see his training and everything, which is awesome. John, thank you so much for coming sure, in. Sure, it's my pleasure. Um, this was a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, this has been Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. You can check us out on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula, on Twitter and Instagram, at R-A-Lula, or on the website, RaviLulaRadio.com. And until next time, have a great week.